shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 2022. Once again, welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Dan. And we are up to episode number 10. Wow, 10 episodes. Number 10. So, as always, if you like the content, help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. It is officially 2022. Dan, what do you have to say about that? Just happy new year, everyone, and excited to move forward with you with uh, upcoming episodes. Yeah, a lot of fun projects going on. We have a lot of great ideas coming out. Uh, A lot of things are going on in uh, educational technology. Things are just starting to ramp back up after, obviously, the winter recess for education. Uh, There's conferences coming up, obviously. Uh, There is one coming up in Orlando. There's a virtual component. It's going to be held uh, January 25th through the 28th. It is the FETSI conference, uh, the Future of Educational Technology. Um, Obviously, we're not going, but... That would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, of course it would be, but... The good thing is they do have the Fetsy chats. Uh, they are held Tuesdays at 5 p.m. A lot of good stuff uh, that come out of those uh, Twitter chats. So definitely check out the hashtag Fetsy, F-E-T-C, chat uh, on Tuesdays or at any point on Twitter, and you can follow along with the conversation. Sounds good. Um, so some other things going on, Andrew. I, I know our office has been uh, quite a buzz with the uh, hum of 3D printers and yes. virtual reality goggles. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So uh, I know we've mentioned previously some projects that are going on uh, throughout our district. Uh, we'll talk about VR goggles uh, and the platform that we're using, Class VR, which we did talk about at NiceGate. We did. With uh, with one of the representatives from Troc, so we appreciate that. A lot of... They're just a great platform, and, and Dan's going to go into all the cool components that are built within the Class VR and the VR goggles. Um, but the 3D printers, so we've uh, gotten them up and running. They're working. We're actually printing different components of the mini golf course that we had spoken about. That is currently being printed for a second-grade STEAM unit. Uh, where they are also uh, looking at properties of matter, and uh, they're using robotics, the Spiro's uh, golf ball. So a lot of cool things coming uh, with that. The other projects, uh, we did have a sixth-grade class do ancient civilization in Egypt, and they've actually made a whole museum. Uh, So that's great. We can definitely uh, share some pictures of that we already have on Twitter. So Mm -hmm. that's happening. We have a third grade uh, with fossils. Right. We were just talking about that a few minutes ago. So we're creating uh, that experience. With our favorite, uh, one of our favorite STEAM. Yeah, yeah. So the PBL projects are definitely happening, uh, you know, and uh, we definitely uh, dove in deep with mini PBLs uh, in episode number nine. Uh, prior to uh, rolling over to 2022. So that stuff's all happening with 3D print. Lots going on with 3D printing, which we're excited about. The kids just love it, and they that's do. what it comes down to. So we're also talking uh, there should be some eSports talk coming up, right? right. Um, uh, a hackathon with coding So uh, in our local area. So lots of stuff uh, without trying to you know, uh, spill the beans. A lot of good things coming up. Absolutely. So the VR, Dan, talk. We were messing around. We had done the AP environmental science stuff with that. And now we've taken it to a further level and really started to dive deep into the class VR portal uh, and platform. 
And, you know, we did have some some episodes earlier. Is it ready for prime time? Yeah. And I think it's definitely getting there. And I think a lot to do with it is our understanding of how the platform works. Correct. Um, there's a lot of great um, VR out there. Um, even if you don't have goggles or anything, you can still create immersive experiences, especially using YouTube and 360-degree videos, um, incorporating those videos or images into ThingLink. Um, and create these immersive experiences. Really been focusing on this as a part of an engage activities for different units of studies to try and get the, the students to really go in and start developing inquiries and generating their own questions. So developing these immersive VR experiences where students can go in and they can jot down what they see, um, what it makes them think about, what they want wonder uh, about what they're actually being a part of in this VR experience. So I've been able to use the goggles to use our own content that we created and put it into a platform. And what's great is you can use them in the, in the goggles or you can use them in your browser. And that's the, the key because like we've always talked about AR VR not being ready for prime time or is it ready for prime time? And it's expensive. I mean, even Google Cardboard, because then you still got to have the, you know, the mobile device to put within Google Cardboard. And we explored a lot of different VR goggles uh, or headsets, I should say, and what would work best for, you know, what we were trying to accomplish. And after we had like some kind of like a trial run or a, a meeting with a vendor, we really thought that Class VR was the best way to... Uh, you know, start using virtual reality and augmented reality as a platform. So that's kind of where we went with that. And as you can see, I mean, Dan, you can talk about they have a, a, a huge built-in library. They do. There, there's a whole built-in library and there's a community library where you can share your resources that are there. And it encompasses all subject areas in all grade levels. Um, and so what you do is you get a portal. There is a subscription to it, but they have so much included content that's there. And what you can do, which is great about the platform, is you can create playlists. And you can push those playlists out to the goggles um, for your students. So it completely immerses them, but you have control over what's going on in the goggles. And there's a dashboard where you can see what students are viewing and where they are in the VR experience. So I find that very helpful. Yeah, and we'll post in the show notes uh, basically uh, a little bit about Class VR and overview, just so you can see uh, if it's something that you're interested in for your district or or whatnot, just to explore. They come in a nice case. There's like four in a kit, right? And There's. then the, and then the software. Um, so we'll just we'll link to their webpage um, just so you can check them out and see you know how they work you know in action, so to speak. Besides just us looking like fools walking around the room trying to figure everything out. It's quite humorous for those who are just walk by that's, our office. That's true. But. And, and I do want to reiterate that you do not need all these fancy bells and whistles and no. goggles to create these um, AR and VR experiences. Really, I can't say enough about ThingLink yeah. and being able to put that immersive content into a place. There, I mean, you do not need to pay for ThingLink. There is a, a, a premium subscription, but the free 99. That's it, free 99. Version work, works really well where you can build your own content. So combining YouTube 360 videos into ThingLink and then being able to look and use that VR experience in your browser is a great way to get started. So if you're looking to dip your toe in the water, just go check out ThingLink, um, look at their library, and start building building some content. Have some fun. Give yourself a little sandbox time and see 
how this may work for you because I am confident you can find um, a way to use this to engage and motivate your students no matter what subject or grade level you teach. Right, across all content areas. And we'll put a link to ThingLink as well so you can just kind of check it out. Uh, you know, for the spelling and, and the actual web address. So, and, and the nice thing is it immerses all students when they're web-based. You don't have to have the, like we said, the equipment itself overall. Now, besides that, we had talked about Matt Miller and uh, the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. With uh, regards to that, that was such a phenomenal conference. We hope to, you know, get Matt on the show. We know he's been busy, and he already wrote a new blog post for 10 low prep activities to kick off 2022. And, you know, he says when the calendar turns over a new year, we're in the middle of the school year. We're in the middle of a school year, and we really, it's the unknown. We don't know where things are going with what the world is throwing at us, you know, almost on a daily basis uh, in, in the world of education. So, you know, you look back, reflect, regroup, you set your goals, and now it's the midpoint. And we really need to have some of these low prep activities to kick off the year to kind of have students make the most of the new calendar year as we look forward to the second half of uh, the school year. So one thing that he has, and we'll link uh, his blog post, but he says you can start the year off uh, with one word. Uh, you know, so he's kind of thinking one word. How how can you set a goal for 2022? It's a challenge. There's a challenge template. He has that. Uh, and obviously, he continues that one word with Flipgrid. And we've talked a lot about Flipgrid and having Flipgrid fever. Same idea. One word, 2022, Flipgrid. And the kids can have, uh, you know, they can create a response in 60 seconds or less for what they're trying to accomplish as they step into the new year. And, and you know, some of these activities really can can allow both the teachers and students to, to just have a quick reset, you know, hit that reset button, check in with each other and, you know, begin that community building within the classroom as we set our targets on the second half of the school year. So some other things, he includes some templates for students to share their hopes and dreams for the upcoming year. And of course, you can adapt any of these things he puts out there to, to fit you, you or, or your students. Um, and just being able to give students, uh, we, we always say, you know, students a way to create and share something and using those visual things. So let them get creative with, with things like Adobe Spark and 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 build some things or, or try jam, use Jamboard to, to right. do some group community building and goal setting activities. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot that you can do um, that is included in this blog post. Yeah, so we'll, we'll add it in the show notes. He talks a lot of Google tools. Uh, a lot of the stuff is free 99. Uh, I love that, you know, he had the break into the new year with the digital escape room. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely something cool to check out. And as always, the, the things Matt pushes out are absolutely phenomenal uh, and just well-researched and, and low prep. Like we said, that's the key. You don't want to spend all your time trying to search for something right. when Matt gives it to you right there. So uh, as far as other news, it's kind of been quiet. But weekly right. wind up. What do you got, Dan? Um, yeah, like Andrew said, you know, coming out this week, there's there's not too many new updates out. I think everyone pushed for their updates right to the end of December, and right. I'm sure we'll see some new updates in in a week or two. Um, but one of the things that I did want to point out is I am a big fan of Moat. Yeah, I think that's become clear. There is something called Hyper Moats now. So when you're in um, like an in, app smash. Yeah, it is like an app smash. So you've always been able to leave moats in, in any of the Google Workspace applications, docs, sheets, slides, you name it. But now um, it's built right into that comment feature bar. So when you highlight some of the text and you see that bar come up to leave a, con- a comment, now there's a, a button to just 
put your moat comment right there. So as you're going in and you're working with students and you're giving them feedback, it's very easy to access that audio feedback and put it right into the document. Yeah, the nice thing is we did have, um, so we'll, we'll link the blog posts, uh, you know, for uh, the hypermotes, the feedback loop. Um, and the actual gentleman who, who wrote the blog post, John Neal, that's who we met up at Nice Gate. Right. So uh, our hope is to, at some point, uh, get John uh, on the podcast to talk about moat, hypermotes, and everything uh, moat for Google Forms, you know, all that kind of stuff as we start to uh, push forward in 2022. So that's all I really see for our weekly wind-up updates. I, I haven't seen too much out there. No, Twitter World's been going on, but there's been, uh, you know, not nothing really Google-pushed right now. Um, we know that the CES, the big uh, technology conference, is going on, but a lot of companies pulled out because of everything going mm -hmm. on. So um, haven't seen a ton of news uh, in regards to, you know, new things, but I'm sure by, you know, as the weeks progress, we're going to see a lot more uh, information. So, you know, our goal is like, you know, we, we want to set goals for 2022 and where are we going? What are we going to try? You know, uh, we don't want to have any FOMO, fear of missing out, right? We right. want to know what's new, what's hot, what, what can I try with my students that to kind of engage them because, you know, I, listen, I am the... I don't want to say uh, the worst at this, but you know the <laughs> I new know year. Where you're going. The new year hits, and it's like I get in a little, uh, you know, mushy middle component because the holidays are over. I love it with my kids. You know, from Halloween on, it's just constant excitement uh, with with the young kids. And now it's like, is it snowing? Great, I love snow, but now it's been like rainy. There's nothing fun. Like, you know, Dan's a big skier and it's like, okay, he's going to the mountain, but it's not like he can go out and throw a snowball at his wife, you know, or something <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> or me, you know, uh -oh. whatever. <laughs> She'll be throwing one at you. Yeah, that's fine. She can. It'll be fantastic. So <laughs> um, as we talk about discussion points going forward, uh, how can we as educators be efficient and effective? And right. that's kind of like what we're thinking. So, and, and, you know, looking at what we're going to try in 2022, one of the things I think, you know, I brought up is I want to be more efficient and effective because, you know, just coming down to it, I need to be that way right now. Yeah. Um, especially with everything going on. Plus, you know, this time of year anyway, you, you, you're, you're always dealing with snow days, school cancellations. And now, you know, I know a lot of districts have gone remote. I yeah. don't know for how long they're going to go. Some couple of days could be longer. Um, you're having more and more students being outside of your classroom, and you want to make sure that they're not coming back too far behind the eight ball, where right. it's going to be a struggle for them to catch up, and then they lose motivation, they lose engagement. And so focus – and, you know, as a teacher, there's so much going on too, trying to manage it, or what are some things – that I can do in, ten, in 2022 that can make me more efficient and more effective with uh, this dynamic environment. And it is a challenge with having more and more students out for a variety of reasons. You know, regular sickness with everything going on with the pandemic, just maybe being quarantined. There, we don't know everybody's home environment. And how can we be efficient with our instruction so that it's not like we're teaching seven different lessons to like 30 different kids. Right. Because they're out for two days. Maybe they're out one day. Maybe they're out six days. You don't know. So as we talk about being efficient and effective and snow days and delays, you lose some instruction time. And it's 
it's funny because I feel like we're, you know, uh, kind of in the twilight zone <laughs> and we're going back to the first thing that comes to mind is we're flipping lessons. Right. You know, so we're doing the instruction. We're creating the video, right, with students in front of us, you know, but let's say you have a class of 30, you're teaching math, and 15 kids are home for whatever reason, and now you have 15 in front of you, and Screencastify, we've talked about it a lot, I know, but to me, it's just such a robust tool, and they've updated. We, we right. talked about their updates. As far as to be efficient and effective, you're, you're, you're using your display technology, you're demonstrating this math concept, and you hit that record button, all right, and then you have that video created. Forget the webcam. Webcam off. We don't need, they don't need to see you. All they need to do is see your screen. So, and that's the best part with Screencastify. They hear you, they see it, and then they apply what they're doing. It's literally bringing back the flip classroom. So, um, and, and for many, the flip classroom never went away. Correct. If we think about that blended learning environment, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, you know, that technology is here. So, so we've gone, we, we've been on quite a roller coaster from, you know, over the past few years to teaching, percent. teaching yep. remote, teaching hybrid, and then coming back into the classroom. And I just think that what we learned and what a lot of people learned during that remote and hybrid teaching can actually benefit them now to be more efficient and effective. So, yeah. so the power of harnessing technology and creating and focusing on a blended environment, um, even though not everything is remote, um, you can still have that um, digital footprint where students can be able to, to access and you can work with them and they can collaborate and they can grow and they can demonstrate understanding. And the best of all, it's all archived and it's yep. all there for any situation that may arise. I think it will allow you to be more adaptable if you don't forget about your digital learning space. So if you've been going along and you're back in the classroom and you're just running things straight analog if you any reason you have to pivot, you're you're recreating the wheel, right? Once again, from from where you were. If you those that are constantly being mindful and engaging students in that digital learning space, whether it be through student choice or formative assessments or whatever it is, it makes you more adaptable. It makes you more efficient, and it will save you stress in the, in the in the long term. You'll be a much more effective educator in that regard too, you know, and that's kind of where our our theme is for this episode is is how to do that. We talked about Screencastify and again, it doesn't always have to be your voice. We're going to link something very quickly uh, in the show notes that shows just using Screencastify to create an animated gif, which we all love GIFs. I do. It's not a GIF, it's a GIF. Just remember that. Right? <laughs> I, I think we're going to get some uh, comments on that. Of course we are, but you know, it's just you know, we all use them in text messages and so forth. Why not use them to kind of scaffold instruction? I mean, if, if, if a kid needs to, a student needs to see how a concept in math, I'm just saying as example again, is, is drawn out, is, uh, you know, is explained, it could be just a re repetitive video with a GIF. So right. Screencastify allows that. So, again, another way to be effective and efficient quickly. It's not going to take you long to create this. No, I mean, you just create and screencastify export it as an animated gif and then you have that video that's going to loop automatically um re-showing what you put in there so like as andrew said just reinforcing a concept or giving students directions on how to do something or what's expected there's no audio in it but you can see and watch it over and over again and i think it's very effective 
It's very it efficient, and it and then you don't have to go deal with how do I do that again? How do I do that again? I right. don't understand what is that concept. Where do I where do I put the decimal point? You know, it's constantly there as a reminder for students. Yeah, simple, and you embed that whether it be in your digital learning environment with uh, Google Classroom, Google Slide Decks, whichever. It's automatically there for notes for students and right. so forth. I mean, so. you can put it right into the slide deck, or you can use that gray space around the slides. Yep, and, yep, and it's perfectly. Um, manageable and usable tool. Yeah. So as we talk about blended learning and, you know, uh, it, it didn't go away, but there was some people, you know, there were teachers and, and educators across, you know, the world who experienced a sort of burnout, mm-hmm. right? For a lack of a With better good term. Reason. Yeah. I mean, you were always on the camera. We get it. We, we totally understand that, but we don't want to go back to the stone age. We need to take what we've learned and how things have adapted, you know, because of the pandemic and take all the good that's come out of it. And how can we use that to better uh, instruct our students? So Dr. Caitlin Tucker, uh, you know, uh, at Caitlin underscore Tucker on Twitter has a whole bunch of stuff on blended learning, what it is, what it is not, um, you know, and it, it definitely was elevated. The pandemic elevated that phrase blended learning because, you know, we, we had a pivot, like we said. And just to remember a clear definition of blended learning, it's active, engaged learning online combined with active, engaged learning offline. So it's really talking what Dan just said to give students more control over the time, place, pace, mm-hmm. and path of their learning. Because we all learn differently. Something that I learn much more quicker, Dan may struggle with. Something that Dan learns uh, a lot you know, quicker, I could struggle with. So you're really, really differentiating instruction. Right. And, you know, we talk about blended learning. Many people, Some people refer to it as flipped learning. Mm-hmm. Not really the same thing, but, but it incorporates aspects of flipped learning. But the idea is when, when compared to the whole group, teacher-led model, the benefits of blended learning are, are definitely outweigh uh, the work that goes into to, to create the environment. And like most anything with, with this instructional design, you're front-loading your work, yep. right? So you're going to spend a little bit more time in the beginning, but you're going to make up that time hand over fist in your daily interactions with students. Um, so if you look at the benefits of blended learning, you, you are able to give students the agency to make key decisions about their learning. So giving them resources, giving them choice, choice boards, they're able to take ownership and mm-hmm. be able to capitalize on their strengths. Um, and then you're able to come in and help them and scaffold some things that they need some work for because you are giving them more, you're putting the learning on them. Right. And she's got a whole sketch note too, with blended learning being active online and offline engagement, start small. Uh, she actually did this sketch note with uh, our good old friend, Matt Miller, yep. uh, you know, and took it kind of out of the ditch summit. Right. So for those of you that have been part of the ditch summit, it, you know, she did have a great session on there. Go back and watch that video before it uh, closes out on the 7th. Yeah, yep, yep. And, you know, the setup, something new, have clear expectations, be consistent, the workflows. You know, it, you can't have the mentality that they can't. Right. We have to turn that into how do we help. And the sketch note really is a quick visual to see how you can incorporate and get started with blended learning uh, or continue blending learning, maybe look at it a different uh, you know, perspective uh, and, as we look at it. And, you know, when you think about blended learning, that doesn't mean everyone's sitting in front of devices. Mm-mm. In, in, in it, there, there, is, there has to be that offline engaging 
teacher-student relationship building in the classroom. You're designing opportunities for students. So when you think about blended learning, you're not just throwing tech out there to use tech. It's not right. that substitution on the on in the SAMR model where you're just substituting a worksheet and putting it online and having students do it. You're not just you know putting out an Ed Puzzle video where they're going to watch and it, it, that's you know a, a substitution. But you're going to use the tech in the environment. Um, you should ask yourself a few questions. You know, does it minimize the complexity of the work? Does it make it easier? Does it make it more accessible? And does it make it more valuable to the student learning? Um, does it amplify the, the student's personal power and potential for demonstrating understanding, harnessing their creativity, collaborating with others? Does it reimagine that are in the same model? Does it reimagine yep. learning? Does it take it to a place that you can only get using the technology? And does it enhance the human connection? Does right. it allow for those opportunities for students to grow and share together? Yeah, and, and that I think is the overall, like the, those four questions are powerful uh, as you're using these strategies to say, this is this is imp important as I start to incorporate this within my instruction. And she's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, we'll link them in the show notes with choice boards, right? Mm -hmm. And station rotation and talking about the station rotation model and small groups. And it's exactly what it is. It's a series of stations or learning activities that your students are going to rotate through. And you have a teacher-led station in online and offline, as Dan just said. It's not all tech. But, you know, as a blended learning model, one has to be an online learning station. Right. Which could be your gifts that we just talked mm -hmm. about or a reteaching video or uh, a video that you made and then let the kids see what they pick up from the video and apply what they've learned. So and, uh, it's important in that regard. And it's important for your for your efficiency. Um, you're oh, yeah. able to engage the students. You're able to reach more students without you physically having to be there with each student. So you're able to, to have a better opportunity and more opportunities um, to differentiate instruction more consistently and effectively with students because you're not constantly on the stage reteaching, reteaching, reteaching. Right. You're, you're, you're harnessing that technology for that blended environment where students have access and, and you have access to the student work and you're able to work with them in more of a small group setting or one-on-one -on -one, and you're not constantly standing in front of the stage. So, you know, when we look at, that goal I had for 2022 is really focusing on what I'm creating in digital spaces because no matter what comes ahead, I'll be able to pivot without too much stress. I right. mean, there'll be stress, but yeah. I think it'll be less stress <laughs> than the alternative of going from strictly analog to digital. Yeah, and it, it really gives the opportunity to create those small learning communities within the larger class where you can facilitate those differentiated small group instruction and engage the learners in the modeling sessions. And you can, you can group the students, you know, flexibly. And, and as the students navigate these, these tasks in that small group dynamic that you've now set up, they now have more opportunities to control the pace of their learning. So right. it gives them more opportunities for that agency component. Which as we, you know, our conversations from our last episodes with Tara and John, you know, that component feeds right into PBL or the mini PBL experiences that we were talking about. Right. You know, she also had an article, Dan, that you put in, uh, you know, for the show was ask yourself, why am I grading this? Right. You know, uh, if I don't grade it, students won't do it. And that reasoning typically leaves teachers with piles of work to grade. It just, you know, I wonder how much of the time is spent assigning points. To, it, is it going to improve student performance? 
you know, you know, I think I think all of us at some point have fallen into the mindset, and you know, I was there, and I, and I still get there, and it's like, well, if I don't say it, they're not going to know it, right? right? So it, that winds up with me focusing a lot on direct instruction, and then whether they're taking notes or 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 coming up with something afterwards that. I need to go in and I need to give them a grade because if I don't give them a grade, then they're not going to be paying attention. If they're not going to be paying attention to what I'm saying, then they're not going to know it. And I get caught in that loop and it gets very frustrating. And then I think, well, is that really the case? Right. And, and I don't think so. Right. And she went into the, you know, uh, a whole article about, you know, pretty much to summarize it, what is the purpose of the work? Why am I grading it? And she has a flow chart to help educators think about the purpose of the student work that you're doing, the skills that you want to focus on that you're trying to accomplish with your lesson. And, you know, going back to what I said, you know, the purpose of the work and what you're doing and what kind of feedback and whether it should be graded or not um, goes into, you know, how you develop that instructional environment in your classroom. So giving more student ownership, giving more opportunities for creativity, creating that blended environment. It awards me as a teacher so many different ways to check in with my students to see that they're understanding, not just simply can they copy down what I'm saying. It also opens me up to more opportunities to work at, at a deeper level with my students. You know, going to that teacher-led model, you know, often you're giving students the information, they're taking it in, and they take it in from you, and then you send them off to create something, and, and they do something, and then they send it back to you for assess, for assessment. I've just removed myself as a teacher from the most important part of instruction. Yep. The students don't need me to give them the information. They need me to help them analyze develop understandings, how to develop questions, apply, in order it. To apply it, guide that that's where they need me and creating that blended environment and creating those authentic tasks um, will allow me to be more effective because I'll be able to provide the appropriate scaffolds and get students from where they are to where they need to be. Yeah. So I think one of our goals, Dan, is we're going to reach out to Dr. Caitlin Tucker and hopefully uh, at some point, uh, in the near future, ask her to see if she has time, if her schedule permits, to talk about, you know, all of the components of blended learning and the research that she's done. I don't know if it was her dissertation itself or whatnot, but I think she'd be a great guest to have on the podcast. So we can definitely, uh, you know, reach out to her. We got to start getting this scheduled out with all these we do. We guest have. speakers. We got a bunch coming up. So, um, yeah, and just um, to follow her on Twitter, it's at Catlin underscore Tucker. Oh, I kept calling her Caitlin. It's okay. I didn't read right. Sorry, Catlin. <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> at Catlin underscore Tucker. So that's C-A-T-L-I-N underscore T-U-C-K-E-R. That's right. So, and we like to end on a fun note. Uh, Dan was just having fun with something called animated drawings. Dan, why don't you talk about animated drawings? <laughs> uh, I want to thank Jake Miller because I saw it on his Twitter feed and I've been playing with it for a while. Um it, it's a great website. Uh, I put the link for, for animated drawings. It's sketch.meadowdemolab.com. It doesn't collect any information. You don't have to sign in. It doesn't collect any PII. Uh, that's um, so that's good. And what you can do is upload any type of image into it. So even students creating images on paper, um, which is great. You can upload an image file. So whether it's a JPEG or a PNG, I had fun using Bitmojis. Right. Um, and and it really, any image, picture image can work as long as there's no background in it. So remember that. Um, remove BG. Remove dot BG. But you can animate your drawings. So you can just upload an image into it 
Um, just want to make sure anything that you're uploading that the student is drawn, it's on a white piece of paper with outlines, wrinkles, or tails, uh, tears, and then you can um, upload that photo right in and it will take that and it will animate it. It can make it walk across the screen, um, dance, jump. It, it's really something that's really clever that once you create the image, you can't do much with it. But if you did a little screenshot, um, screen like screencastify, Make your screen GIF. capture of it, you can record that part, put it in as a GIF, and have a lot of fun with it. Right. And it's going to be fun for, uh, we know, uh, some teachers making anchor charts and everything. Ooh. You know, that that's definitely uh, one possibility of how you can use animated drawings uh, to really, you know, bring home the message that you're trying to get across to your students. So uh, any final thoughts, Dan, for episode number 10? Uh, no, just want to wish everyone the best in this new year. That's it. So once again, thank you all for your support, listening on all the platforms, leaving us reviews. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out. Mr. Voice will definitely give you our socials. Tech hard, work smart, live in adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at a Nicola tech and Dan at WCSD tech DR.